Here we are locked on NFL alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. We are taking you around the league daily here on the network. A good show. It's packed. We've got to finish up the rest of the top 10 of Matt Williamson's power rankings heading into week seven. We have a guest, the host of Locked On Rams, Brad Bear Motter. He is going to join us to break down everything happening with the Rams, make sense of the blockbuster Jalen Ramsey trade, and then we'll preview the Chiefs and Broncos Thursday night football. Uh, Matt, I guess we got to get rolling on this power rankings. There were some surprising ones. Uh, Just to recap what it looked like in the back end of the top 32 teams in the NFL, the biggest fallers were the Atlanta Falcons, who fell 10 spots to 29. The Browns fell 9 spots to 25. And the biggest two fallers of them all was Dallas at 15 from number 4. And the Rams at 17 from number three. And when we talk to Brad later, we'll find out how he feels about that team. And I think most people would expect the Rams to rise back up as, you know, the Cowboys too. But some interesting teams there. We le- we left off with the Carolina Panthers, who's going in the other direction. They've jumped up 12 spots. The biggest riser so far uh, at number 10 now are the Carolina Panthers coming up from 22, which leads us to your ninth team in the Matt Williamson power rankings. Yeah, another big riser and a team I'm really impressed with top to bottom organizationally, Buffalo. Um, I'd mentioned if you didn't listen yesterday, shame on you, first of all, but I've been also telling teams that are at the top or bottom of the special team ranks. And this worries me because I didn't really notice it watching a lot of Buffalo this year. They're 32nd in the league special teams wise. And with the structure of their team, they're not going to win games 30 to 20. You know, special teams are highly important for the way they're structured. So that that's just something to keep an eye on with the Bills. Love the Bills. They've jumped up nine spots for you. They're playing defense in the offenses, doing what they do. And they've got Frank Gore, who I love, just plugging away. Very old school approach going on right now in Buffalo. They're number nine for you, which leads us to your number eight team in uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and... The first thing I always say with the Seahawks is coach-quarterback combination. You and I have talked at length about Wilson as MVP right now. I think he would be the easy vote. Um, They continue to exceed their overall roster talent limit, or, you know, talent overall. 28th in the league on special teams, though. Uh, Just a little noteworthy thing to keep an eye on for for a well-coached team. That's interesting because Seattle and Buffalo, very similar. You would think that those are the type of teams that would have really good special teams because they value Mm -hmm. field position. They value defense. They play a little bit more of an old school brand on the offensive side of the ball. So that is interesting to monitor. And maybe that will sort of adjust itself as the season goes on and they'll get closer to the middle of the league uh, on the special team side of things. But that is sort of an interesting note that I'm surprised about to hear about both Buffalo and Seattle. Yeah, yeah, it is. And something that they they probably need to work on and, Two quality head coaches that I'm sure are, you know, making that a priority. A team that's right about where they were when the season started, Minnesota Vikings coming in at number seven. Yeah, and I have the Packers at six as well. And I think these two teams are rather equal. Um, I know Green Bay just won, but I frankly didn't think they deserved to win that game. Um, I think the Vikings passing game is coming around. I think the Packers offense it's still a little worrisome, you know, especially with the on, you know, without, without Devontae Adams. 
I was torn. I mean, who would you have put ahead? Who would you put ahead of the, in the AFC or the NFC North? Packers or Vikings? I I think you would just have to go with the scoreboard and go Packers, yeah. even though the Vikings are playing a lot better. And I think just the hiccup at the beginning of the season for the Vikings would just give me enough pause to put Green Bay above them. So I think you have it right. Yeah, I mean their record's obviously better, and but I don't think the Packers are foolproof. I'm sure a lot of power ranks yep. have them three, four in that neighborhood, and I have more questions than that. Right, and uh, I totally agree with that assessment. And there are some teams here that uh, that might surprise some people out there. Some teams that maybe they would have behind Green Bay coming up here at number five. Who's your fifth team right now? This is a team we'll talk about to finish up the show because they're playing tonight, Kansas City. I am at five. It wouldn't shock me if you go throughout the 17-week season and this is the lowest they ever are. They have some injuries. They're not running the ball. They're not helping the defense. So I think there's chinks. And again, this is more of a snapshot here because Mahomes, maybe a wonky ankle. They're not playing well. They've lost two straight. If you're thinking, oh, man, Kansas City at the end is going to be one of the top two teams in the NFL – I wouldn't fight you about that, but right now, putting them at five, I think, makes a ton of sense, even if it is surprising to some people. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think they're playing great right now. They've lost two in a row. The second biggest riser for you between week two and week seven is at number four. Yeah, and I mentioned Wilson as the MVP. I think Deshaun Watson's nearing that conversation, a rapidly ascending superstar in the making a loaded offense. The offensive line seems to be working itself out. You know, they put a lot of resources there this offseason, young guys that are coming into their own, coming off a big win. And I think they have some playmakers on defense, and Watts playing great. Uh, do I think they'll maintain, the, you know, a top five standings throughout the season? Maybe not, but I think they're playing really well right now. And head-to-head, they just beat the team that's one spot below them. So, that right. makes some sense right there. There's, you know, you've, you've got to go scoreboard at some point, and Houston just beat Kansas City, and that was a fun game. I hope we get to see more Watson versus Mahomes. That was the very first one of those. Oh, I think we're going to see that for a lot of years and a lot of playoff games. Okay, this is where I put your Twitter handle out there for those that are going to get super mad at you right now, Matt. <laughs> at Williamson NFL, your number three team in the Matt Williamson Power Rankings. New England Patriots, and I'm sure a lot of people have them won, and I understand that, and I was just talking about coach-quarterback combination. Now the Patriots are pretty good in that department, too. Their defense is by far the best in the league. I just think the offense is just working through some, some things right now. You know, that I don't know that they know who they are yet on offense, and having Brady obviously is a great elixir for that. But also playing a garbage schedule has been a great elixir for that. That if they would play even a league average schedule, I'm not so sure that they're, you know, an undefeated team anymore. I love you going out on a limb because almost every power rankings I have seen is just an automatic. It's like, okay, start at yeah. one, it's New England, then what? And so when you really peel it back, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so I like you having the guts there to put New England at number three. That means there's still two teams to go, and there's only one unbeaten in the NFL, which is still on this list. But that also means there's a team that has a loss that is above the New England Patriots. Who is number two for you right now? I was torn between the Saints or Patriots for number two. So I guess you guys can figure out who number one is, and and I'm not trying to appease my (laughs) co-host. I just think the Saints are really good, and I think their defense is exceptional. I mentioned Sean Payton, to me, would be probably be my coach of the year, getting an awful lot out of Bridgewater. 
Oh, by the way, number one in special teams. Very interesting there. Just yeah. across the board, that's why I like New Orleans coming into the season. It's why I picked them as my Super Bowl champs, even without Breeze. And even because they're without Breeze, I think you're really seeing how good they are throughout the team. And the special yeah. teams thing, I did not even know. So that's another interesting wrinkle to how good of a team New Orleans Saints are in winning uh, games without Drew Breeze. Which brings us to the obvious number one best team in the NFL right now, as it should be the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Um, and I just think they're playing the best football right now. I, I think they haven't needed the passing game, but guys like Pettis might have their best days ahead of them. Same with Jimmy. The run game is tremendous. The front seven is tremendous. I love the coaching staff, but 26th in special teams. Mm, interesting there. Yeah, they have, they've been bounced. They're on their third long snapper right now, and Robbie oh, wow. Gold hasn't been his exact usual on target self and part, part, part of that I think is the snaps and holds and the kick was blocked so there's there are definitely some things to clean up for San Francisco which just goes to show how good they could be when those things do get cleaned up and I think they will be as the season goes on the 49ers jumped up nine spots for you the third biggest riser in the Matt Williams power rankings already a top 10 team have reached the pinnacle at number one yeah, on a neutral field, anyone in the league, I would take the Niners against right now. Wow, that is saying something. The 49ers have come a long way to that complete rebuild that started with the Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch hires in 2017. All right, let's step aside and bring back Brad Bearmotter of Locked On Rams. This podcast is brought to you in part by Peloton. Peloton is offering a limited time offer Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. Okay, joining us now is Brad Bearmotter, host of Locked on Rams. So much going on in Los Angeles. Uh, the team really shaking up the NFL with a blockbuster trade, a couple of other moves, and we'll get into all of those right now with Brad and how it impacts the Rams, the NFC West, and the rest of the league. And I'm sure, Brad, with you doing the podcast and covering the team, making your life interesting as well this week. Yeah, it's a, it's been a whirlwind of news and information. And yesterday, the other day, when I was recording my podcast, I, I did a little bit earlier in the day. I ended up re-recording it three times as we continued to get... <laughs> New and new trades and new and new information. <laughs> and I was like, that's old news now. So I've got to redo it. So it was an exciting day. It was a long day, but it ended with Jalen Ramsey in a horns helmet out here in Los Angeles. So it wasn't all too bad. Brad, I like the dedication, dude. That's big. Uh, you're dedicated to your craft. That's excellent. <laughs> um, I have some questions. And the Rams are structured, Jalen Ramsey aside, they're structured like no other team in the league. I mean, it is star power, top heavy. It, it, it looks like the Showtime Lakers. Do you think a lot of the way they're structured is because the city they're in and what they have to compete against for entertainment value? Yeah, that's a great question because would they be doing this if they were still in St. Louis? My answer would probably be no, right? Okay. You come out, you come out here, you've got a five billion dollar stadium that's waiting for you in nine months. You're gonna you, you got Stan Kroenke with a lot of dollars behind you. Les Need is now becoming this aggressive GM. I think all of it is coming together. Sean McVay adds the adds to the team out here in Los Angeles. I think it all starts to come together. You draft Jared Goff in, in 2016, actually the last 
number one draft pick and maybe the last draft pick for another five years. Uh, the way you that they five years without a first. That's insane. Yeah. And, and Leslie, <laughs> yeah, Leslie said yesterday, you know, he is kind of under the under under the impression that the Rams are going to be pretty good. And that first round pick is going to be anywhere from 20 to hopefully 32. And, you know, when he's drafting, he's either looking at that position as not very excited. He's going to trade up and go for a guy they really like early in the draft or they're going to trade back and try to collect picks. So that pick is something that he looks at that I'm not even going to use. So I might as well go get a valuable player. And we've seen it with that Jared Groff trade that I just mentioned back in 2016 when we drafted him. We gave up two firsts, uh, three seconds, three thirds. We still were able to uh, sign players, go get Brandon Cooks in a trade, go get Tlaib and Peters in a trade, get Eric Weddle. We are becoming a destination where older veterans at a younger price are wanting to come and be a part of this. So I think he's looking at all those factors and he'd rather go with a proven player than kind of flipping the coin and looking back. I mean, the, the one that stands out to me always is Greg Robinson early in that draft a long time ago and just wouldn't want to deal with another flop. So going with the proven player seems to be his way. And uh, it's exciting for us out here for sure. Drafthistory.com up in front of me. And they might go five years without a first. They've just gone three years without a first. But over the last three drafts, the Rams have had six thirds and four fourths. So that's kind of like their sweet spot now in terms of, you know, comp picks and trading down. It seems like that's the target, the area of the draft that they're just spending all their attention on. Oh, 100%. And I think that's where, you know, when, when Les Snead kind of builds that confidence and being able to give up those picks and trade back is that they feel that they've got a really good read on that. And that at some point, there's so much talent that's coming out of the draft. And it's really just finding them at the right position, whether you're trading a couple of picks to go back a little bit, or like you saw them kind of take a bunch of those picks that they had and put them together and move up to go get a guy like Daryl Henderson. You can play and find players in that third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, we've seen it all across the NFL, and they're just kind of saying, hey, this is where we're going to live. You guys can go and play around in the first and second round, and and they still have some second rounders, but we'll see if they're done making moves yet or what they do during the draft, but they feel very comfortable in that area drafting those type of guys. Brad, any reports on the amazing healing powers of the Los Angeles weather? Is Jalen Ramsey's back suddenly feeling better? Yeah, it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like it's doing pretty good. It was funny. He was asked that yesterday at the press conference, and – you almost like he wanted to laugh and go, you right, guys, you got me. I'm I'm fine. And he kind of said, well, I'm healing up and I feel pretty good. But uh, yeah, I think the sunshine might have been uh, might have been what it needed to just kind of get that thing fully healed. <laughs> They're lacking at beaches and sun in Jacksonville, apparently, <laughs> compared to L.A. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, it's working for Bortles and Fowler, two other former first round picks of the Jags. That's a great point. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, Brad, I have some questions. So obviously you don't trade two first rounders for a guy that you're not planning to keep long-term and re-sign. And he's going to, I think there's a 100% chance he'll be the highest paid cornerback in the league at that point. And for how long, I don't know, but salary wise, how does that work? Because potentially with Gurley, Goff, Aaron Donald, uh, who there's one more contract in there that I'm blanking on. Like you're going to have 50%, 60% of your, of your salary cap, taken up with just a few players, is that a sustainable model? Or might we see a shrewd maneuver like, say, even trading Todd Gurley, lose salary, add some picks from that, and utilize the third-round pick? We just talked about how many third-round picks the Rams have been making. 
They just made one on a running back that looks pretty explosive, hasn't played a lot in Daryl Henderson. Is that potentially the guy who would be the first man out from L.A.? Yeah, well, I mean, you don't make this move without the hopes of signing Jalen long-term. And I think Les Snead was under the impression he kind of shared with us. And it was actually a very great press conference of Les Snead. I think a couple times he had to catch himself from giving us too, too much information because he just felt so excited about all everything that was happening. But they said that they talked with the agents and they have a pretty good understanding of what they're looking for and it fits with what they're trying to do. But is it sustainable? That is the best question. That's the question that... We're going to be talking about not only the rest of the season, but during the offseason as we continue to build this. Todd Gurley's one of those guys. Brandon Cooks is one of those guys. Um, you know, you're Cooks, looking yeah. at a guy like Michael Brockers that's making $10 million right now that's on the last year of his deal. That's going to come off the books. They'll have a little bit of money to play with, but they will have to continue to get creative. And I think that's kind of what Les Snead is doing. In a sense, I love it because it's like he's playing Madden, like how I would play you know, as in high school is you're trading away your picks. You're signing a bunch of guys that are big money. And when it comes to where you can't afford it, you just go down the list and you go, well, he's making a lot of money and the cap. hit's not terrible. Okay. It's time to move him and go. And I think that's one of the things that unfortunate, you know, if you're uh, one of these Rams fans that has everyone's Jersey, you might not want to hold on to some of those because I think there's gotta be turnover to really afford, you know, to fill a roster. But again, they're going to, they're going to rely heavy on the draft and on some of these young players. And like I said early, some of these veterans like Eric Weddle that came in for an extremely low price that wants to play for a couple of years. I think you're going to continue to see that pattern of guys near the end of their career that maybe have two, three, four years left come out to LA at a way cheaper price because they want to be a part of it. They want to be a part of a winning culture. Uh, so I think that is going to factor in too. But Todd Gurley could be one of those guys. I think Brandon Cooks is one you got to keep in mind as well. Uh, but the noise around here with Todd Gurley, the knee, depending on how he plays out this season, I think there would definitely be questions, especially what we see from Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson behind him. And you mentioned Brockers. I mean, I, I th- and Sue and some of these guys that they signed the big money and are going to get a comp pick for, that's the key is, you know, the, they'll, they'll get a third, they'll get a fourth. That area that I mentioned is really their sweet spot, and they work the comp market really well. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Ramsey on the field. I mean, I think he's a phenomenal player. And if I could start my team with one corner, he would be my pick. But I think Phillips has been a little hamstrung, that he wants to play more man coverage. You know, that's what his history shows us. And frankly, Peters really isn't a lockdown man coverage guy. I think that's why he's going to Baltimore. And Ramsey is and can be. And I think that they'll play more man. But my question to you is, why don't I just throw a Troy Hill then? Yeah, it, <laughs> that's you know a great I mean? question. Yeah. No, that's a great question. I think that's what we're all worried about uh, throughout this this experience till we start to really fill out the rest of the roster that should fit that type of defense. Uh, another guy I'm excited about, and I'm not sure really how he's coming along yet because we haven't heard much about him, is David Long Jr. out of Michigan, rookie. A guy that played pretty well man coverage at Michigan, had some really good stats coming out of there as far as uh, completion percentage when thrown at. So uh, he's the guy that if you're looking down the road as far as maybe that's the guy next year that you kind of move in, maybe he starts to see a little bit of action in this season before Tlaib comes back. But that is the big question. I think that's what Wade Phillips also is looking at. I think he nailed it with wanting to play a little bit more man. Peters, um, Marcus Peters is a little bit more of a gambler and a zone guy and kind of trying to you know predict what the quarterback's doing. And we've seen multiple times since he's been here in L.A. that that has really 
left us vulnerable uh, in the secondary. So they were just looking for a change. And they really said, okay, we're going to take one cornerback and make him the cornerback of the future. And I think over the past year and a half, they realized, I just don't think that's Marcus Peters. We like him, but for the money that he's going to have to get, we don't like him. So they went and got their guy, which is going to be a man coverage guy, which I think this defense needs a lot of, a little bit more of an attitude, a little bit more swagger. Let's go with Aaron Donald up front. So, uh, yeah, no, I think that's definitely what Wade Phillips is going to do, start to go a little man. But Troy Hill, he's got to step up for sure right now. Uh, A lot of balls are going to be coming his way. And he even said that when he was asked about it. He said, hey, man, uh, with Jalen Ramsey on the other side, I'm going to be pretty active. So I think he's accepting the challenge right now. Uh, We've got David... We got David Long uh, kind of waiting in the wings to see, you know, when is his opportunity. Uh, and Darius Williams, don't forget about him. The, the Rams are extremely high on Darius Williams. Expect to see him get some playing time in the next couple weeks to kind of throw him in there. If Jalen Ramsey doesn't go on Sunday, it's going to be Darius Williams that gets the start. More with Brad, and we'll get in a Thursday night preview coming up. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Put that knowledge to use. If you're listening to this show, you're obviously a well-informed football fan. Make yourself a little cash with MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with MyBookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through... You'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit MyBookie.ag. Today, you play, you win, you get paid. Bear Motter of Locked On Rams joining us today, breaking down the big news of the blockbuster Jalen Ramsey trade. And obviously, Jalen Ramsey's a phenomenal talent, and anytime you can add that, it's going to make your team better. But looking at the Rams, and we're fresh off a game where I just watched it very closely and watched it twice, Rams against the 49ers last week. My first thought was, well, does Jalen Ramsey play offensive line? Because that was the problem. That's what's <laughs> holding the Rams back right now, right. sitting at 3-3. Three and three, You talked about picking in the 20s. Currently, the Rams picking at 17. Obviously, I think everyone believes that the Rams are better than a 500 team. So I expect them to win some more games, but I don't know how many games Jalen Ramsey, as good as he is, would win for how the Rams are currently built. And I know they made the trade for Austin Corbett there. Note boom going to injured reserve. My worry for the Rams would be the offensive line. I I don't think the problem was already in the secondary. Uh, I agree totally with you. I mean, we ended up the other day with two defensive players and one offensive lineman. I would have loved to see that switched. Uh, two offensive linemen and maybe Jalen Ramsey. But obviously that wasn't the case. That's not what really happened. And I don't know if the Rams are done yet. I know I've said that earlier yet, but Les Snead kind of ended his press conference again when he was giving us a little bit more information than he probably wanted to. And he said there's a couple ideas that are being floated around at him right now that you know he hasn't completely said no to yet. So they may not be done adding to the O-line. Uh, but again, I think a lot of that comes with they have a lot of faith in Aaron Cromer, who is the offense line coach and getting it right. Same with Sean McVay and getting it right. Uh, you know, we saw an injury to Noteboom, which kind of really set off this panic alert with our offensive line, especially they've been playing so poorly. You expect Andrew Whitworth to play a little bit better. Rob Havenstein to play a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to be the big question mark. We're going to have David Edwards starting at left guard. 
uh, the hope is that maybe he could add a little bit of spark. It's not the biggest hope we have right now, but yes, I agree with you. We've had to figure something out. We don't have a lot of high draft picks. We still have our second round draft pick. We still have our third. We can make some moves with that. Les Need has shown very capable of taking a pick and turning into multiple ones or taking multiple ones and moving up and getting a player. So that will be a focus. It has to be a focus uh, because you don't want to pay a guarantee of $110 million to your quarterback and a guarantee of $45 million to your running back and then have nobody to block for him. So it's got to be a plan moving forward. Brad, last thing I got for you is I like the Corbett pickup a lot. And I think a change of scenery could do him really good. Just two years ago, he was the first pick in the second round. There's talent there. Fits the scheme well. My question to you, though, is how do you think Goff has played this year? To me, I think he's getting a little too much criticism. I think he's throwing the ball well. We know he doesn't handle pressure as well as some other quarterbacks, and the line hasn't held up. He's not throwing deep as much, which goes to the protection. But to me, he's throwing too much is the problem. You know, the the running game is the foundation. That's where things have gotten off the tracks. 100%. And, you know, Jared Goff in the last couple years had been one of the top quarterbacks in play action and something they are not using uh, this year because they haven't been getting the ground game. It's hard to run play action when they know you're not running the ball. Uh, so it's been tough for him. And you're talking about the deep ball throws that he really hasn't had an opportunity because of the line. And that was one of the things that we really saw Jared Goff excel in over the last couple of years is, is really hitting Brandon cooks deep, hitting Cooper cup deep. So uh, getting back to the deep ball as an option. And now I feel like that he's not throwing it as much. It's just almost when you're not using that tool and you try to pull it out occasionally, it's just not as sharp as it once was. So they got to get back to protecting him. But there is still some cases where he needs to play better because there's times where he does have protection and he skips in a ball. There was a throw yeah. late in the game versus the 49ers where he had Gerald Everett wide open. It wouldn't even needed a good throw. It was an yeah. average throw at best that would have caused a walk-in touchdown and he missed him by, you know, three or four people. And, and that type of throw just can't happen. But I think it comes back to he just doesn't trust his O-line. In his head, he's going one, two. I got to throw. I should have thrown already. Why have I not thrown? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, I have protection. What am I doing? And missed throw. So the, the lack of confidence that his O-line has given him, he has happy feet back there. But he's got to play better. But obviously, it starts with the offensive line. But So I, I put the blame a little bit on both because when he's had time, sure. he hasn't looked pretty. Uh, but something's got to happen there because this is the offense that was scary. People were scared to play last year, putting up 30-plus points. And in the last couple of games, they were still putting up points, but uh, it wasn't doing anything. It didn't really matter. And then we get to that San Francisco game. I think he had 30 yards passing, something like that. It's just insane how it dropped off. But something's got to fix, and, and hopefully this spark of the trade, even though not a lot went to the offense, but something will wake this team up say, hey, no one's safe on this team. Let's go ball out. That is Brad Bearmutter. You can find him on Twitter at LA underscore Ramblin Bear, the host of Locked on Rams, doing great things here on the network. Brad, we really appreciate the time jumping on here with us on the uh, flagship show. Anytime, anytime. And hopefully this is uh, the start of a big winning streak and we'll come back and we'll talk about how it all made a difference today. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that NFC West uh, getting very, very interesting right now. And uh, Rams still have some work to do to leapfrog the Seahawks and Matt Williamson's number one team in the NFL, the 49ers. Okay, good stuff there with Brad Motter. We've got to get to this Thursday night football game, Matt. The four and two Kansas City Chiefs talking about a good team that's lost a couple of games in a row there in Kansas City. They're on the road, not an easy place to play. And the Broncos, who have won two in a row. Matt, this is only a three-point... If this game happened three weeks ago... 
We'd be talking double yeah. digits. This line is now Kansas City favored by three. Yeah, and lots changed in three weeks. You know, we wouldn't say that. Well, what's the chances that one of these teams is on a winning streak, one of these teams is on a losing streak, that it's the Chiefs on a losing streak? And it's absolutely the best time for Denver to get a hold of these guys. They're banged up, short week in their building, tough place to play. I don't think Mahomes has been the same. I think his ankle has a lot to do with it. But he's also not been the most disciplined guy and probably never will be. Tyree Kill coming back, though, is gigantic, and I expect him to play every snap tonight. But um, the whole key to me is if Philip Lindsay and Freeman are the MVPs tonight and they keep the Chiefs off the field, as teams have done very, very well. I mean, the number of plays the Chiefs have run is really low during this, this losing streak. They're going to be right in it till the end, and then, you, then, then we'll see. But Andy Reid, I'm not sure we've talked about this. Andy Reid destroys AFC West teams, and that's not a fluke. This is going to be quite the challenge, but I'm going to say the Chiefs somehow win this one, and it wouldn't blow me away. I know it's the perfect time to play the Chiefs. It wouldn't blow me away if they won the game by 20, and we say, why were we worried about the Chiefs again? You know, like, (laughs) that certainly could happen, but that's not what I'm predicting. And I do like that the Broncos have have gotten things a little bit Right. And, you know, new coaching staff and and a lot of new players, new quarterback coming in, getting things together. You could see how they could be a better team in the second half than they were for the first four weeks. It's really hard for me to predict a Chiefs loss at this point, even with Patrick Mahomes playing through an injured ankle. And that ankle is definitely hampering him. So I think that three point line is more correct. I would have said, okay, maybe you put some money on the Broncos if it was one of those bigger lines, which I, I kind of expected. But right now, with the way the two teams are playing, uh, it's still tough for me to say, you know, I think that the Broncos are going to straight up beat the Chiefs. But that that Mahomes ankle is something to watch because you don't want him, if you're a Chiefs fan, to get hurt more and have it be a big problem. Because right now it's definitely a minor problem for him. And I, before we went on the air, I tried to find some information on his ankle to see, you know, how he's looking in practice, what the official word was out of Kansas City about his ankle. And uh, the first article that came up was about a church in Prairie Village, Kansas, that is holding prayer services for Mahomes' injured ankles. So there, it's not something that's not being worried about in that area. A little bit. Uh, I love that. I mean, as a football fan base, you got to love Kansas City. That's awesome. <laughs> um, if they could get this win, and I think they will, and a lot of it's just because I trust Reed and Mahomes, that would go a long way because then they could put their feet, put that ankle up and chill for a long week and then you know get back in the swing of things. But if they get a lot, three in a low road loss, would really hurt them. And that's about all we have time for, Matt. Good stuff, as always. That was a jam-packed episode. And we'll be back tomorrow making picks for the rest of the Week 7 games right here, Locked On NFL.